Podcast 176. Stay at home, right, Julian? That's right. Keep your butt where it is and don't leave the house. You can get some room service, hopefully, right? Ooh, yeah! <laughs> All right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best? You got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcasted. Welcome back to your podcast. I'm Ken Mills, one of your hosts here today, and I'm joined by the effervescent Julian Gill. Hey, Ken. I'm literally happy to be here. Yes, you are. And today's a very different kind of podcast episode. I mean, this is something we never really do. Mostly when we talk about viruses or being sick, it's usually in the uh, context of somebody having rock and roll pneumonia and how you have to call out Dr. Love. But here we are in a world where KISS had to postpone their tour. We live in a world where we really need to take this coronavirus thing seriously. And something happened along the way, right? And it happened to you, to one of us, to one of us KISS podcasters. And a lot of people may not realize this, but you yourself came down with a case of the coronavirus. Exactly. I'm historically an early adopter of new technology. I think this is one new technology I really could have done without. Yeah, you could have uh, missed this whole thing. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about this. We're going to also talk a little bit about a couple of KISS things. And we're going to start this episode out with some words from the star child himself, one of the generals of the KISS Army, Paul Stanley himself. He recently did a live video, which you can find these on KISS's channel on YouTube. You can also find these on Paul Stanley's Facebook pages as well. This is Paul Stanley talking about the coronavirus. Hey, so here I am and here you are. Um, I've been inside now for 17 or 18 days because that's what the medical people, the experts are saying we should do. Um, try to take some of the uh, strain off the doctors and all the hospital workers, try to flatten that curve. That's what they're telling us. So that's what I've been doing. So um, big thanks to all the people who are in the front lines trying to get us through this and uh, we may need them. So um, let's be thankful that we have them. So I don't know what else to tell you at this point, but um, everybody um, be safe, uh, stay home. That's really where you belong if you can. If you have to go to work, obviously maintain a distance from the people around you. And um, people who are out against uh, what you're being told, um, it's really an insult to the people who are on the front lines, the medical people who are risking everything to save people. And it might be you at some point. Um, the people who are working uh, in supermarkets, people who are doing deliveries. These people are putting themselves in harm's way. Um, the, the least we can do is honor what uh, we're being told by medical professionals, by experts. Um, this isn't a time uh, to listen to anybody except the people who really know what they're talking about. Um, so I'll do this again maybe tomorrow. Actually, I'm having fun. It's a little stupid. I mean, I'm here talking into a camera and I'm the only person here. So um, I'm my cameraman, I'm the lighting director, I'm everything. But uh, hopefully you're staying home. If you're out in crowds, 
if you're walking around in crowds, if you're on the beach in a crowd, get the fuck inside, okay? So you want to be good to the people, not just necessarily the people who are around you, but all the people who are abiding by what they're being told is the best thing to do right now. Because you might need those people sooner than you think. So be conscious of everybody other than yourself. And uh, is it always easy? No. But it's the right thing to do now. All right. And the star child is not messing around, is he, Julian? Absolutely not. If you don't listen to your newscasters or your governor or anyone else, your loved ones, listen to the star child. He's speaking common sense. That's right. And the star child is telling us to listen to the scientists and the doctors because we are in some serious troubling times, folks. And, you know, we can either try to look at the good in this or the bad in this, and I'm going to try and look at the good in this. This is a chance for, if you can stay home, please do so. Be safe at home. Help flatten the curve, because this is very important. And on the other hand, if you have to go out there and work and keep the economy moving, we, we really salute you. We salute every member of the KISS Army that's out there, and everybody that's out there in the medical fields, in the trucking fields, the custodial fields, the food service people, the people that are stocking the shelves, everybody, right? This is a very different kind of episode of the podcast. And again, we are not doctors. We're not giving you medical advice. But this is something important that we need to share with everybody out there because this is affecting us. And you need to take this seriously. Uh, it seems like in America we really love to pay attention to celebrities. Well, even celebrities are passing away from this. Adam Schlesinger died, Joe Diffie, the country singer, and on and on. This is serious, folks. Take it seriously. And, uh, and now here's a message from the demon himself, Gene Simmons. Hi, everybody. It's Gene Simmons. I wanted to take a moment to personally thank all the folks in healthcare, the doctors, the nurses, all the people that keep us healthy and alive, and our fire departments, the police, the folks in the food industry who bring our food at home, we'll get over this together, really. And I just want you to consider the following. During World War II, 50 million people died. Your grandparents were asked to serve. Many of them gave the ultimate sacrifice. You know what's being asked of you? Stay at home, sit on your rump, binge watch Twilight Zone all day long, while people risk their lives and bring you food. So let's get over ourselves. We're, we're the greatest country in the world. Don't be a knucklehead like this guy over here. Love each other, support each other. We'll get over this. God bless you all. So Paul and Jean weighing in on the coronavirus. They take it serious. You should too. And I know that this is affecting many members of the KISS Army. For example... I got a really cool message from Jeffrey Rampula, longtime podcast listener. Hello, Jeffrey. How are you doing out there? He contacted me to see how we were doing because we had a bit of a tornado in our town and wanted to make sure I was doing okay and everything. And 
He mentions that his girlfriend, Sharon Goller, she actually works in a pediatric ER as a tech in one of the busiest hospitals in Massachusetts. So we want to send a shout out to her and all the truckers out there in the KISS Army, Corey Nolan and Eric Alberti. And I know Dennis Talbot of Ages of Rock podcast. His wife is, is in the medical field. Just all of you out there, if you're in the KISS Army, we love you. And if you're not in the KISS Army, we still love you. Be safe. Be safe. Thank you for what you're doing. Right, Julian? Oh, absolutely. Just because you've been badged essential does not mean you're expendable. Every single one of you are precious, and we appreciate everything that you're doing to keep this country moving. Like Uncle Ken said, you're valuable, we respect you, and we want you to stay healthy, too. Uncle Ken, so I'm kind of like the Uncle Gene in this. I I see what you're doing. So... (laughs) So you are one of the people who have been responsible for so much in the KISS community. You may be shy about it or bashful about it, but I'm going to trumpet your horn. You've written some amazing books. You've created some really cool things. And a lot of people have turned to you, whether it's the KISS FAQ podcast or the KISS FAQ message board. There's a lot of great KISS information, plus all the books you've written. It's you you are responsible for so much in our fan community and and I thank you for that all all of the time but you going down affected all of us podcasters and all of us kiss fans and when you first pm me and said I've got it it just sent a chill down my spine can you talk about what it was like when you were going through this uh, in the initial stages. And the reason that I'm asking you to do this is because there's a lot of people that may not recognize some of the signs or the symptoms or maybe what they should do. And I think one of the things I want to point out is that this is not necessarily a death sentence. There are a lot of people right now that are going through this. And there are some people that are recovering and some people that are dying. So you need to take this seriously. But thankfully, Julian, you have recovered or are still recovering. I want you to tell your story right now, if you could. Yeah. And I mean, I want to be very careful that um, I don't appear flippant in any way during this. When you go through something where people are dying, regardless of how, um, how bad your particular case may be or not be, as we'll discover more as I, I, I talk about it, um, it, it's just important to remember no one size fits all with mm-hmm. this illness or any illness. So my circumstances, my symptoms, and everything that I went through may be completely different than anyone else's. And let me also make it very, very clear I never got anywhere near being sedated and intubated and put on a ventilator. Thank goodness for that, for myself, selfishly. Um, And that really is the area where the most risk is for, for patients. Mine started out with what I thought were my regular springtime allergy attacks. So, you know, for three days before uh, things kind of started progressing, I just had really horrendous allergies. Now, every spring in San Francisco, I get those. I start sneezing up a a storm. I turn into a St. Bernard snot machine and I just let rip. So I should probably have a face mask or a plastic bag on my head when that happens. But uh, it didn't seem particularly unusual. Um, I had a little bit of chest tightness, which I just correlated with sneezing heavily. So 
first three days, you know, just carry on, get on with life, pop a Allegra or a Claritin and uh, go to work, go to business meetings in a 10 by 10 room with all my colleagues and, uh, you know, get to the weekend. You know, weekend comes along and I develop a headache and it stays. It's not a massive migraine. It's not a turn out the lights, uh, hide under the bed headache, but it, it's there. It's present. It's, you know, a dull throbbing sensation for me in the background and it would not shift. And at that point, I started checking my temperature uh, because obviously, you know, I do watch the news and you do start becoming a little bit paranoid then and you start checking the list of symptoms that are being advertised by the CDC, being publicized by your choice of favorite news provider. And, you know, I'm like, oh, well, it's a headache. I've had a few Coronas this week. Maybe they don't agree with me. But uh, again, not feeling any tremendous fear or concern or worry. And then the temperature started going up. You know, most of the time I'm... um, you know, pretty stable. I know that one's temperature does fluctuate throughout the day. So getting away from your 98.5, if you take your temperature and it's 99.2, that's usually not a big deal. When it gets over a degree or more over normal, then you start checking a little bit more frequently. But um, it never got uh, particularly high. So the work week started and off we go back to work. I Continue to wear my Fitbit, continue to get all my steps and meet all my goals. Uh, never again got to a, a point where I wasn't able to do my normal amount of daily walking. Um, never felt uncomfortable or particularly sweaty, but my temperature was slowly increasing. You know, we got into the high 99s and then we hit 100 and higher. And that was when I kind of figured I, something was going on because the chest tightness had continued. Um, I wasn't sneezing anymore from the allergies as it stopped after three days and been completely replaced by, by the headache. And, you know, elevated temperature just became the norm. So we get to Tuesday, I think it was. Um, so I got to take a breath for a second. So we get to Tuesday. And my temperature is 101 now, um, maintained. I'm, I'm just medicating with uh, Tylenol, not doing anything spectacular, not doing anything tremendously exciting. Um, I don't feel horrendous. And that was the only day I coughed that Tuesday. I think I coughed nine times during the day. And that was it. It wasn't a continuous. It wasn't a painful. It was just more like the cough that you do when you're trying to, you know, clear your throat or you just feel you need to clear your throat. But, you know, I don't recall much coming up or or it being tremendously dry or a wet one. But then I I added them all up and I called my doctor. I said, hey, got a fever, 101.4, got uh, coughing today. Got tight chest, and uh, what was the fourth symptom? On the coronavirus disease side, it says that people may experience cough, fever, tiredness, and difficulty breathing. That's right. So, yeah, uh, the difficulty breathing was just feeling a bit short of breath. No gasping, no not feeling oxygenated. So I I called into my doctor's office with those symptoms, and he said, you know, I, I think you should go get a test. Now, this is San Francisco. This is um, 
well, a few weeks ago now. So it was, uh, I think it was the 17th of March. Testing has been and continues to be a massive problem for many people, um, except for professional athletes, apparently. So I called my urgent care clinic afterwards who would be um, available through my insurance to provide a test. They weren't giving tests. So I then called the next place, um, not giving tests. So the news in San Francisco that week had uh, publicized two hospitals that were doing testing. Now, since I had a referral from my doctor, I just went to one of them who had tents set up outside, UCSF, for those who care. Um, they were all ready to triage patients. They were set up, ready to go. They were fantastic. I was actually still in the system from 1999, which was even better. And I go into a plastic negative air pressure tent for triage you know, run through the battery of tests. Um, I had a doctor who I think was ex-military, so he was really no nonsense, but also extremely good. Very, very good. So Aaron, uh, you'll never hear this, but thank you. Uh, all the nurses were well briefed on triage. They were all wearing those 3M air recirculators that move the air around their face behind uh, masks for full protection. Um, and they, they ran my blood pressure, which is like 186 over 110 or something pretty bad. Um, didn't have a temperature at that point either. And they did the checks, uh, chest x-ray and, you know, fortunately that showed us clear, but the most important thing was that they stuck the Q-tips up my nose and did a swab test and, um, the, the shocking part about that is that this was 7 o'clock roughly in the evening on the 17th. I had my test results at around 9 a.m. the following day. And at that time, it came back as positive for COVID-19. And that had to scare you because at that point, we as Americans really didn't understand the full depth of what was going on. Would you say that that's true? Oh, ab absolutely. I mean, it, it was very early on. I think to that point in the city of San Francisco, we had 38 cases. So, woohoo! I'm top 50. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the only thing to do is laugh at it at this point. Um, it, it really was a matter of surprise. It was shock, and then it was fear, um, complete fear, because all you do hear at that point on the news are the worst case scenarios. The really bad cases are starting to get publicized far more. We're living with a lot of uncertainty and doubt about how this is going to be kind of dealt with. But it, it didn't feel like a death sentence because the symptoms to, to that point had not been tremendously horrendous. It, really been nothing worse than what I'd call a, a flu and not even a bad one at that. It was just that there was an accumulation of all these different symptoms. So it was scarier having that test result. And I was on a conference call at the time that it came in with the same people I'd been in a 10 by 10 room the week before uh, for a meeting. And I'm like, um, excuse me, I need to add something to the conversation and, you know, telling all my colleagues right then and there that uh, had received a positive test really brought the tone down in the room uh, on the call. Not, not good for morale. I can imagine. 
when I left the uh, triage, uh, they said continue managing your symptoms on a symptom-by-symptom basis. They didn't add anything new information-wise. When I got the notification from the hospital that my test had come back positive, they reinforced to continue managing those symptoms, symptom by symptom, with over-the-counter medications, uh, but to go into ER if I had any difficulty breathing uh, whatsoever. So that, that still, as far as I'm aware, remains the standard operating procedure for anyone with COVID or suspecting that they have COVID. And testing is a moot point. Testing only tells you that, yes, you have it for certain. If you have all of the symptoms but can't get a test, assume that you have it. It, it really is a matter of that self-quarantine at home and try and close yourself off from the rest of your family as much as you can. If you have a basement, move down into the basement or a garage. Just move away from your loved ones to try and mitigate it. Um, I live in an apartment, so I don't have any options, unfortunately. And I likely infected my wife, who's you know had very similar symptoms to mine. But again, we've been early on in the process and just continue to manage those on a case-by-case basis um, individually a co-worker you know has done the same uh, even though they received a negative test which took more than a week to get the results for so it it doesn't matter the testing as such other than getting entered into the public health system and being one of the numbers of reported cases mm-hmm. and and that's where my one of my biggest concerns is is that when we get through this as we surely will we will never know how many people truly had this heinous thing and so the numbers will be skewed in in favor of the worst case scenario of those recorded and mm-hmm. thus we'll probably see an artificially high death rate because most of the people who recovered never got diagnosed, never got added in and just got on with their lives. So it, it makes it seem scarier than it probably is, is against a very uneducated. I'm not into science or the medical field in any way, but Mm -hmm. just knowing the number of people who have, you know, had either false negative tests or not had a test at all, but likely had it, I think, you know, we really need to be be smart about how we respond to this by managing all those symptoms, by drinking lots of water. And that was, again, one of the things that I did immediately. I immediately replaced soda and beer with water, mm-hmm. stayed very, very hydrated. But also, again, because my symptoms weren't on the more egregious of the scale, uh, obviously, it's easy for me to... To, to say, well, I did this, I did that. Well, I, I just did the best I could for my situation and got very, very, very lucky until the Thursday. And after I got the, the diagnosis on the 18th, I think the date was now, um, that night I had a horrendous night. I had chills. I had a high, very high fever. Again, never over 101. We got close to 102, but never broke that barrier. Um, but I had the chills like nothing I had ever had. And I had a racing heartbeat that night for, you know, five, six hours. I didn't know if I was going to make it through the night uh, because there was just nothing I could do to, to settle my, you know, blood pressure down. And that is my underlying condition. I have high blood pressure. I'm fat. I'm overweight. 
Um, and even though I try and exercise, I'm, I'm just too heavy and I have to work on that in order to bring my blood pressure down naturally. But what we learned a, a few days later is um, two days after the, 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 the chills, I had uh, body pain. Body pain unlike anything I'd ever had in my life. I, I think I described it in something I wrote to being every single point of injury on my body throughout my life, being attacked at the same moment. Everything hurt. If my knees, which I've broken, and you know, arthritis points and stab wounds, you know, everything uh, that's ever happened to me physically hurt at the same time throughout the night. And I couldn't get comfortable sleeping for most of these nights either. It was just, uh, I was just in discomfort. So those, those are two very kind of concerning nights. Um, and I may get to Saturday and my fever breaks on the Friday and I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. So I've had two horrendous nights. Um, I've been generally otherwise okay. I've continued to work. I've been fine to work remote and be productive during the day other than feeling a little off color like you know, many a professional is able to do is work remote and continue to function when they have the flu because they don't have to go into an office and they have remote resources immediately available for them to do so. Well, I was able to. But we get to Saturday and – I start feeling really bad again um, in the evening. I'm, I'm like over 24 hours without a fever. I'm like thrilled. I'm like, okay, we're on the road here to recovery. But then I hit a wall and I just feel, start feeling bad. And I, I, go, I try and go to bed and I start having breathing issues. Like I'm gasping for air that I can't. Um, oxygenate and I, I start getting very scared I, I start doing like meditation I, I had panic attacks for years um, so I start going through those routines of how to cope with them in hopes that you know that helps but nothing's helping I'm just feeling more and more unable to breathe and then I just make the call and ask my wife to call 911 because I, I, I feel like I'm not breathing I'm not getting any air and my chest is tight and all of that and San Francisco's finest show up. Amazing. Wow. So do you have any advice on what people should do or when they should call their doctor? Call their doctor when they have uh, multiple symptoms to find out uh, what your doctor thinks or advises for your particular case, number one. It's, um, it's very important that you at least get on their radar. Again, you may not get a test. Don't hinge on that being the determining factor to how you approach this. Uh, again, a positive result is only that. It means that you're going to be logged into your public health system and go up on the scoreboard as a number. That, that's all it is. That doesn't ultimately help you one way or the other. Um, be prepared for what either your health insurance allows or what your locality is providing in terms of services for COVID. You know, so have those emergency numbers ready 
um, you know, maybe even have a little bag ready in case you need to do a, a quick um, evacuation to to the hospital, and you know, make sure you've got things in there like a phone charger, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, and and a cable. Th- you know, the, just the very basics, and have if you're on medications, your list written down so that you can give that to a doctor or a nurse triaging your case, rather than trying to remember them and make sure that you've got those details right. But but most important thing is to have where you're going to go. I mean, if you're going to be advised to get a test, well, it's good to know where that is. Um, if you're going to be going to a hospital that you don't go to, know how you're getting there. Again, my case, once I I had been to, you know, carted off to ER by the emergency services, I get in there, my blood pressure is, you know, again, in the 170s, 180s, really high. Um they they draw tons of blood. They don't really do much to stabilize me in terms of my blood pressure. I was just monitored all night. The moment that emergency services showed up and stuck a pulse oximeter on my finger, it showed that my oxygen was 99, which mm. if I had had my own at that point, I would have been able to stick it on my finger and at least tell myself, okay, it says I'm getting air. And I probably would have then dialed back my what was ultimately a panic attack, just a really, Mm -hmm. really bad one. So I ended up in ER because of underlying conditions. COVID had interacted with my blood pressure medication, nullifying its use. So my blood pressure had escalated and, you know, gone out of control because of the the virus. So I didn't end up in ER unable to breathe because COVID was attacking my lungs or my lung functions had been impacted. I had COVID gave me a massive panic attack because it caused my blood pressure medication to fail. Mm-hmm. So I, that that's you know that's luck. That's a good thing actually, you know, because I was just monitored in ER for twelve hours and then sent on my merry way with a new prescription for blood pressure medication for a week. Uh, they switched me to something that does not interact or is, was not expected to interact with COVID on the same level. And for people who want to know what that is, tell us what it is. I'm on Lasartan usually. And that was what interacted apparently. And again, I don't know what the science is behind mm-hmm. that. They gave me a long spiel that went in one ear and out the other um, explaining what had happened. But they also put me on the hydrochloroquine, which uh, President Trump has recommended as a, you know, his gut feeling is going to be helpful. And they put me on a zinc bomb, which is zinc sulfate, just a massive dose of zinc. And zinc apparently helps your body to heal. Um, Again, Google how zinc is used medicinally. So that was all that I was given. I took the week's worth of medication and I've been perfectly fine since then. I, by Wednesday, I was actually feeling great again. I felt absolutely normal. Blood pressure was nice and stable. Um, felt wonderful. I mean, I wasn't in ER. You know, I, if anyone who goes into ER, I, I'm usually like begging for death by the time I've been there for a couple of hours just because I hate it so much. Well, when you go to the ER, you're not feeling good. So it's it's like a a, cock, a perfect storm, right? It's one thing leads to another. It is, and it's it's also even more scary now because you're in a negative pressure room. Your first responders, bless them, 
for the job that they do, the thanks that they don't receive, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's absolutely true. Everything that we can do for our first responders who are helping us through this, uh, anything we can do for them, they deserve. But they're changing their PPE every time they come in the room and go out. They have to change it. They're you know, shouting at each other. A doctor went through the front door into my, my area, and he got shouted at by the nurses because he just you know, let all the air out. So um, it, it's serious business. It's very serious. And you're petrified. I'm hooked up to a, a, a you know, a blood pressure cuff and it's going off every 15 minutes. I'm looking up at the numbers. I'm not happy with the numbers, I'm looking at the heart rate and my O2. And I'm like, okay, well, those two are good at least, but the blood pressure is just doing nothing. They didn't give me any pills for it. They didn't give me any medication for that whatsoever. Uh, so I'm getting more and more stressed by that. And then they're talking that they want to admit me for monitoring. And I'm like, um, no, <laughs> um, my wife's home alone, you know, and has a bit of a fever. So I need to be there to take care of her. Well, yeah, it, my my son doesn't drive yet. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not abandoning her, especially if they just want to monitor me. I said, I've just sat in this cold ER overnight and nothing's changed. My blood pressure is still super elevated. Um, I don't really want to take a resource of being in a room, um, especially since I want the heck out of there. I don't want to be in there, period, now because I'm, I'm fed up. I've had enough since I'm obviously uh, not having the issue that brought me in. So let me out. And, oh, God, I, I probably got a little bit intolerable, you know, calling the nurse every four hours. Can I go yet? Where's my discharge? Uh, you know, and my wife had come down to pick me up once and, you know, waited for an hour and, you know, had to leave and come back. So I, I just wanted out. And fortunately, you know, I got out and got the meds, as I mentioned, started taking those, had a long, long nap and was back in time for my wife's fever my, or temperature to start increasing. Uh -huh. So the overlap worked out. But again, I was lucky, very lucky. And um, again, it was I'm not going to call it full blown COVID because that's not those are the, the people who are being ventilated and they're fighting desperately to, to save. Uh, I never got anywhere near there. My, my journey is going to be no different than the vast majority of people who have it and think that they have nothing more than a flu. So here's what we need you to do, KISS Army. I, I know that the KISS Army is full of people that love freedom and love rock and roll and love a good time. But you're going to have to change a little bit how we do things. And this show is not political, not political at all. This show is about love. This show is about taking care of the people in your life. And I'm asking you right now, if you can stay home, please stay home. This doesn't mean go out and play Frisbee at the park with people you don't know. This means get in, get into your fortress of solitude, your very own kiss room, whatever it is. And hang out with the people that live with you. Stay safe. Try to flatten the curve because the more we interact with people we don't know and people that we haven't really had in our circle for a while, the longer this is going to last. Right, Julian? Yeah, without a doubt. Stay home. Stay away from the toilet paper. 
Uh, you know, people don't – that's the thing that is really important as well for staying home. Stay home and be socially responsible. Make sure you know what your locality or municipality is dictating in terms of your movements and activities. It, it, it does vary by region to region. But the only way to mitigate this disease is, as Ken said and as you hear on the nightly news or wherever you get your news, is to flatten that curve and to stop the spread. And, you know, I'm out of circulation for a couple of weeks for added safety. I work for a hospital and I am banished. I am persona non grata. And I'm okay with that because the last thing I want to do, and I'm sure is the same for any person, whether you're a member of the KISS Army or not, we don't want to get someone else sick. Right. And if you don't have it and aren't even showing signs of symptoms, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to do everyone you love a favor in your life. I want you to act like you have this already. You know why? So you don't go and spread it to someone else. And you... in. If you also follow that way of thinking, you probably won't catch it. You won't spread it. If you have people that you love in your life, people that have, uh, whether it be uh, high blood pressure or maybe they're on a CPAP machine or whatever might lead to a weakness in their immune system, do it for them. Do it for the elderly. Do it for your grandma. Do it for your grandpa. Do it for your aunts and uncles. Do it for the human race. And it's time for us to, with our freedoms and with these things that we love, lock down into our own kiss rooms, play some music, do what you got to do, watch the second coming, right? Watch the Kissology sets, right? Watch Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. That'll cure anything, right? That's so funky, it'll cure just about anything. But we need you to stay at home. We all need to be at home if we can. We need to take this seriously. We need to stay home, be safe, and take this time to grow and clean up. Read that book you've always thought about reading. Watch those that marathon that you've always wanted to see that you didn't have time for. Better yet... Play some games with your kids or maybe cards with your wife, whatever you do. But take the time. Take this seriously. And we want to especially thank anybody that is out there. We want to thank everyone who is working to keep us going as a nation and as a world. From the truck drivers to the farmers to the people who stock the shelves and do deliveries for groceries and food, the restaurants that are able to stay open for delivery and curbside service, from the doctors to the nurses to the aides to the custodial people all over, to the guy that's stocking the shelves, everybody, the police, the fire department, all emergency people along the chain. If you are part of the chain, we thank you. If I've missed your job title, we still salute you and what you are doing. Thank you for keeping us going. Is there anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I'd just love to thank everyone who reached out with good wishes and get better and get well notes. I was very touched by all of them, uh, the texts, the emails, the messages. They meant the world to me. And uh, I'm really hoping I don't have to reciprocate and send them to you. So stay healthy, please. Flatten the curve. We are one. Right now, Julian, we're going to play Calling Dr. Love, and it's Kiss Live. And this is from the fine world of YouTube, but you know, it's, it's weird how songs take on a different meaning. I was thinking of different kiss songs that we could have played, right? Like uh, Peter Chris's hooked on rock and roll vaccinated. 
with a natural you know. needle. <laughs> yeah. But I don't. I really don't think that's going to help. And then there's, you know, rock hard because uh, you make me sweat. You know, I thought that might that might be one of the things. Or burning up with fever from Gene Simmons. But calling Doctor Love. We're just going to play this version of Doctor Love to everybody that I mentioned along the food chain, along the supply chain, along the medical chain, and the safety chain. Thank you all. So here is Kiss with calling Doctor Love. And again, this is not about who's red and who's blue. 
but who's red, white, and blue, right? This is all of us together, and everybody around the world as well. We are all in this together. So We are one. That's right. We are one. Please help us, folks. Please help us. Uh, we are the people that can make a difference. You, right now, you and that person over there and that member of the KISS Army. Yeah, you and the KISS t-shirt right there, you. Got some great news. Matt Porter is putting on a very special episode of The KISS Room, which is our live radio show from Montgomery Community College. Well, they can't do it there, so they're going to do it via conference. And Matt's going to put it together, and that'll be coming soon. Now, Gary, you and I are going to be doing some other podcasts soon, but we just wanted to get this up to kind of let you know one person's story and why you should take this seriously. Right, Julian? Yeah, and let me just say one final thing about that. Take it seriously, but also remember that your symptoms may not be bad, but you could pass it on to someone who has very bad symptoms as a result. It's not going to be the same for everyone. I got lucky. I had it easy. And I am thankful that it was. I don't want to, anyone to suffer. So take it seriously. Treat it like it could kill you because it can. And someone you love. So we just wanted to share this story. And now we're going to have some kiss fun and we're going to now play an ad from a really cool place where you can get a cool podcast shirt or a Kiss Room shirt. That's right, from clicktea.com. So many cool Kiss-themed shirts. Check it out. Take it away, clicktea.com. Click when you want a T-shirt. And now let's have some KISS fun. So because we are a KISS podcast and we normally don't deal with a lot of stuff that's going on in the real world, right, Julian? We're going to now do something that we've done in the past for the last year or so every so often we bring out this kiss prototype we got this from the pot of thunder kiss podcast and uh it they they used to get prototypes in the mail from uh somebody every week or so well we happen to get this kiss egg timer and uh we're going to play egg timer with you today and i'm just going i don't i don't have any questions prepared for you i'm just going to do it and we're going to talk and I am going to put two minutes on the egg timer here. And I'm going to ask your opinion on some things, all things kiss that come to my head. Ready? Go. Okay. Julian Gill, what is your favorite kiss guilty pleasure song? Oh, I'm going to go with something. Uh, Odyssey. Odyssey. That's a good choice. Okay. Favorite kiss costume and what era? It's going to be Ace Frehley. And I'm going to take the Elder Era. Mm-hmm. Okay, the first three Kiss albums or the second three Kiss albums? That's that Destroyer versus, like, Hotter and Hell era, you know? First three. First three. Okay, why? It's the Trinity. It's the Bedrock. It's the Foundation. Mm-hmm. It's got Deuce. Oh, there you go. Best makeup design? Oh, Peter. Worst makeup design? Bandit. 
The Bandit. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Okay. Um, your least favorite Kiss album. That's gonna be... Oh, my God. That's probably Crazy Nights. Mm, okay. And uh, what's your most hated Kiss album? Like one you can't stand... Because there's a difference between one you don't like. Like one that like might piss you off as opposed to one that just doesn't interest you. I don't have anything that I hate. I just don't, I don't do hate. Even though hate is what I am. So, um, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the, the biggest underdog in all of kiss out of the 10 people that have been in kiss, who's the person that gets overlooked? Who gets overlooked? I, can I say who gets underappreciated? Peter. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Peter, Why? Chris. Why? Beth! He saved Kiss. There you Vinny go. Vinnie Vincent didn't save Kiss. Peter Chris did. Vinnie Vincent can't save himself. <gasps> Controversy! Uh, <laughs> out of the four Kiss colors, which is your favorite? Red. All right. There we go. That was it. How was that in the hot seat? Was that fun? Oh, that was good for me too, Ken. <laughs> Some of the best things in the world last two minutes, including songs. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, there's three Kiss songs that kind of I look at in a similar way. One of them is I Stole Your Love. Another one is Hell and Hallelujah and Modern Day Delilah. All three of them album openers, right? Yep. But we have a situation. If you were to rate those songs in order... How would it go? Oh, from from least uh, to to most favorite would be Hell in third, Hell or Hallelujah in third place, uh, Modern Day Delilah in second, and I Still Your Love, obviously favorite. Well, of course. I mean, that's you'd have to question someone's sanity if they're you know. <laughs> I I won't question someone's taste, but maybe their sanity at that point, right? So you picked I Stole Your Love at number one. Modern Day Delilah at number two, and at number three is Hell or Hallelujah, right? That's right. Okay. Now, I have this pet theory that sometimes in our modern era, one of the reasons we don't like a lot of the music that bands are doing currently, and I don't think people think about it this way, but some of the best songs in rock and roll, and I'm not talking about things like these opuses like Bohemian Rhapsody or... Uh, Stairway to Heaven, right? Those long, epic songs. But most of the, the, the songs that really fire people up are things like My Generation by The Who or Day Tripper by The Beatles or Heartbreak Hotel by Elvis, right? These are songs that were fast and snappy, like S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y, night, right? Three minutes of pop perfection or whatever. I take a look at I Stole Your Love, and it comes in at three minutes and five seconds, Modern Day Delilah comes in at 3 minutes and 37 seconds. Hell or Hallelujah comes in at 4 minutes and 7 seconds. Now, I swear to God, the last time I saw Kiss, we were driving home, listening to Monster. And it just seemed like Hell or Hallelujah just dragged on and on and on. Now, I know that we all have opinions and stuff and that might be somebody's favorite song right that might i mean people might put this in a reverse order but i honestly think that a, a 30 second maybe less version of 
Hell or Hallelujah might actually make the track better. What do you think about that? It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, when you think of, well, we're, we're talking about Paul Stanley's writing here. And on one of them, you know, he's in the middle of an era where that sort of song would have been the perfect length for a single because mm-hmm. anything over about 3.30 was not single-worthy. So he's probably mentally editing himself, keeping it very tight. Whereas when we get to 2009 and 2012, he's the producer. He doesn't have to edit himself as much because mm-hmm. he's the decider. So, yeah, maybe. Plus, five-minute and 35-second songs have become like a norm, right? But if you were to take Day Tripper and like take that song, which I don't know if it's you know, three minutes and 10 seconds and made it like a five minute song, you get tired of it really fast. Like the infectious speed of something, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to ask the Kiss Army to make a different mix of Hell or Hallelujah. And and if you can put it up on YouTube and tag us and let us know that you've done this thing because I'd like to hear like, for example, hell or hallelujah, the Julian Gill mix. You know what I mean? (laughs) I think it would be a really cool experiment. If you're home and got nothing to do and you consider yourself a musician or a sound editor, open up hell or hallelujah and make your own version of it. What would you cut out? What would you cut out Julian? If anything, um, off the top of my head, I don't know. I'd have to analyze, you know, how many chorus repetitions there are. Are there four? Could it use three? You know, that that was often a way that they'd edit, do an edit for a single is uh, mm-hmm. take four of the repetitions of a chorus and make it three instead. So uh, I'd, I'd have to analyze it. Does the solo drag on? Could that be made more concise? Where is the area where I really start thinking that it's flagging? Now, I happen to have never had that thought about Hell or Hallelujah, so I'll be going to listen to it after we're done speaking. Excellent. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious as, as to your thoughts, and uh, we will talk about this on Facebook or over at Kiss FAQ Podcast. Uh, pages and at Kiss FAQ, the message board as well. So let us know your thoughts. Can Hell or Hallelujah maybe stand with a little editing? And if you are brave enough to do it, this is your homework. We'd like to hear what you come up with because the Kiss Army is full of creative people. So looking forward to this. And uh, up next in the feed, coming soon, will be The Kiss Room with The Matt Porter. And it's going to be a different kind of a kiss room, but it's going to be great, and you're going to love it. So we want to thank you for tuning in today. And don't forget, uh, follow Dr. Love's orders, right? Stay home, be safe, and God bless everybody that's part of the food chain and part of the medical team and everywhere along the way. Keeping America fed, keeping America healthy, do what you can. Flatten the curve. If you see people, just get away. Yeah, social distancing. So listen to Dr. Love, and we'll see you on the next episode of your podcast. Say, see you, Julian. See you, Julian. And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at kissfaq.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. 
thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late great Eric Carr, and the late great Mark St. John. You are KISS, and we are your army. Podkist is created by the KISS Army for the KISS Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podkist is not affiliated with KISS or any of its members past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podkist crew, thank you for listening to Podkist, the KISS fanzine for your ears. <laughs>